Hey friend, I'm Laura Lee and welcome to Living in the Light. Each week, I will sit down with a friend who is an artist or creative as they share their story of how Jesus brought them from the dark and into his glorious and powerful light. At the end of each episode, I'll be diving into a passage of scripture and bringing you truth straight from the word of God. This is a space for you to be encouraged and to remember that your story matters and that with God, even the broken parts of your story can have incredible purpose and meaning. I'm here to bring real life to light. Okay, friends, today is exciting because I have one of my favorite people on the show. This girl is a powerhouse. Ashley and I met this past fall when I first moved to New York City through our church, Church of the City NYC, and we've been friends ever since. We first connected through our Young Professionals community group over all things musical theater and Jesus, and since then, I've not let her out of close reach because she makes me better, she challenges me, she loves God's word, and she's just as real and consistent as a friend can be. This girl is going big places, and I'm just so excited to share her with you today and for you guys to listen in on our conversation. Ashley, what's up, sister? (laughs) Wow, that was way too kind. Thank you. Uh, I love you. I'm so honored to be here. It's such a joy, such a pleasure to see, you know, this dream come to fruition. Uh, I obviously love you so deeply as a friend and as a sister, and I'm just excited to talk and to chat. Uh, You know, podcasts are so cool because we can be halfway across the country and still get deep. We can still get vulnerable. We can still be intimate. And I'm just excited to chat. You know, quarantine has been has felt like a lifetime, essentially. And so a lifetime has happened. You know, all of our lives have changed so drastically. You know, our careers have obviously shifted. And yeah, we're just in a new season. And God's moving in this new season. Very clearly, very tangibly, he's meeting us. He really is. And Ashley, you have just been such a force of light, seriously, and encouragement in my life through this quarantine. And our, we should tell our listeners that every week we've been getting together. Well, not every week. I won't say every week, <laughs> but we've been having weekly prayer sessions. And I love that a lot of times they turn into life talks and big issue topic breakdowns. And it's just so fun to just get to talk to you and to hear your heart because you just love learning. I love that about you, that I can just sit down and chat with you and you're always excited about the newest podcast you've listened to or a book you're loving or a sermon series that you're listening to. That's just challenging you and, um, encouraging you. And you just challenge me to Mm. think deeper and to ask bigger questions. And I just think we all need more friends like Mm. you. Thank you. I'm just really thankful for you. So you're a performer And you've had a unique entrance into the industry. So tell the listeners about how you got started in the world of musical theater and where you would say, honestly, that you're at in your journey as an artist right now. Yeah, that's a great question. So I grew up in New York City, born and raised in an apartment in the middle of Manhattan, love New York City. Um, So, of course, Broadway was a part of my life growing up. I absolutely adored it. 
I grew up singing at church, loved singing. My parents joked that I came out of the womb singing. <laughs> I like that. Um, and I, you know, I acted, I, I danced, and I saw those things kind of coming together. But for the most part, it was kind of as a hobby. And then as I got a bit older, you know, the end of middle school, beginning of high school, I actually was picked up by my current agents and was like, oh, wait, <laughs> you know, I could do this as a career. People actually get paid money to sing and act and dance. That's so cool. I had no idea. Um, and so I saw it transitioning from a hobby to a career path. And uh, I had the amazing opportunity my senior year of high school. I was accepted early to Harvard. And I was like, whoa, God, <laughs> what am I doing? Where are you taking me? Um, but it just felt so clearly like a gift from him. Stepped into that, accepted the offer very, very quickly. And kind of arrived there with an open mind and an open heart. Just, you know, God, what do you want me to do? I didn't end up, you know, auditioning for conservatory programs or for BFAs. I, you know, was committed, was doing liberal arts school. And so I just wanted to kind of explore my options there. And so I just, you know, followed my curiosity. I love that saying, follow your curiosity, because curiosity leads us to greater learning. Whereas sometimes when we follow our passions, we end up staying in our comfort zone because we just want to... We just want to do the things that we're good at. So I know I'm good at this thing and I just want to keep doing it and doing it and doing it, but we don't often leave room for growth. But following your curiosity, though you're curious about things you don't yet know about. You're curious about areas of growth, areas of ignorance. And so I tried to lean into that and I found my way to sociology, which is what I ended up majoring in, which is just the study of people and societies, uh, structures and politics and education and identity. And I got to do a ton of research in that. And it made me, one, a better human because I just learned about understanding humans and human systems, made me a better citizen, and it absolutely made me a better performer because I actually understood all of the different factors at play when a human makes the tiniest decision. You know, all of the different identities that are at work, the complex identities that come together, the intersectional identities that come together, when we even make small, tiny decisions, you know? You could be acting the most simple scene, you know, your character is going and buying a pack of gum from a deli, but what was their day like leading up to it? What was their life like? What are the systems at play in their environment? And, and how does that play into their decision making? So I actually got to do a lot of research around those kinds of around those kinds of topics. And it grew my mind, it grew my heart. And what I found is that actually, as I dove into some of these other curiosities, God was opening up doors in my career that I never could have planned. And so I ended up working a lot in Boston professionally, um, got my equity card, was working a lot with the American Repertory Theater out there um, last summer in the summer leading up to my senior year, I was in a show at Lincoln Center in New York City, um, and God was just opening up doors, and he was making connections and moving in ways that had I stayed in New York or gone to a different school, just those doors wouldn't have opened. And so I was so grateful for just stepping into what was before me, even though I didn't know what it was going to bring. And so that's kind of how things have evolved, and I think for me, where I'm at right now 
is okay. Wait, a, wait, wait. Yes. You didn't tell them where you went to college. Uh, I think I said it. I, oh, did you say Harvard? Okay, Harvard. Okay, you said I studied <laughs> sociology. Okay, I just had to add that because you're humble and I wanted to brag on you. Okay, continue. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah, so I, I did go to Harvard. I ended up graduating early. Um, you know, I just loved it there. I met the most incredible people. For the first time in my life, I felt like I also experienced Christian community and so much growth spiritually. I just experienced so much growth over my three and a half years there. It was just, I entered a completely different person than I was when I exited. Okay, so here on Living in the Light, we bring our real lives to light. And I am just so honored that you're not only willing, but also so excited to share vulnerably with these listeners some of the hard and broken parts of your life that have brought you to the feet of Jesus. Um, I said one of my favorite things about you is that I love your honesty. And I think you have a lot of really honest storytelling to bring into light today. Will you start from just the beginning when you first fell in love with Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in a Christian household. My parents are believers. They're so sweet. They're high school sweethearts from Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And they met on a high school mission trip to Mexico. I mean, it doesn't get cuter. Uh, But, you know, they talked to me about Jesus at a young age. And one of my earliest happy memories was actually accepting Christ as a three or four year old on my knees in my bedroom with my mom and I just remember her sitting me down and explaining the gospel and I was like yep I'm in in. (laughs) didn't take much convincing you know toddler me I was like yes Jesus let's do this come in my heart Mm. Um, and it was just such an easy yes for me and I'm so thankful and I know that's not the case for most people you know and and to be clear it was not an easy linear path upwards from there to be very clear it was twists and turns and falling away and coming back and questions and doubts and sin and all sorts of things um but i i did say yes at such a young age and of course you don't understand the fullness of the gospel the fullness of his love for you the fullness of god's grace at that age of course not but what i do think is beautiful is that god can absolutely speak to children And Jesus tells us to become like little children to enter the kingdom. And I just love that because as children, we we know what love feels like. We know what it feels like. And so, of course, we don't have the intellectual and reasoning capacity to fully work our way through every piece of the Bible or every, you know, intellectual step of the gospel. And that came later for me in my walk. But it's just beautiful the way that we are just unstifled by the world at such a young age. We are so ready to receive unconditional love. And so for me, that that was at a young age, but because I wanted people to like me and I didn't want to be seen as weird or stupid or ignorant or none of those other things, I just hid it. I kept it such a secret. And I didn't speak about God. I remember my dad got me a cross necklace at the beginning of high school and I just said no can't wear that like thanks but no thanks I don't want anyone to know what I believe 
I was just terrified of other people's opinions. I was so afraid. And so Jesus was still there the whole time, but but it was so fragmented. You know, I had put him in a box and hid him away in the closet of my heart and no one could enter, you know? Yeah, and ultimately those, like, putting that pressure on yourself of other people's opinions of you and how they were viewing you instead of how God sees you, it was making you mute, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, like it was just quieting you and keeping Absolutely. you in the dark. And it's crazy for me to think about that because I see you now and I see these powerful gifts of evangelism and you're outspoken and spunky personality and your love for learning and bringing hard conversations into the light. And it just makes so much sense that the enemy would want to try to hide all of that beauty and everything about you that I love that he would try to quiet that. Um, So I'm curious, like when in your story, when did things shift for you? Because I see you now and I'm like, God broke in, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and what did that look like? And what did God teach you through that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just so cool to think about the way the Holy Spirit literally transforms you to look more like the person God created you to be. Mm. And for me, part of that was physical, of chopping off my hair and saying, God, I actually want to honor the way you physically created me to be. Yeah. Like, I, all natural, baby, you know? Just, I want to look in the mirror and see your handiwork. Like, the word that's in scripture is poema, and that word it sounds like poem. That's actually where we get the word poem from. It's like we're we're God's poem. We're his work of art. And and God's such an artist. I I love that God's a scientist and an artist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he and a mathematician. All, all I mean, he things. created all these things. But I just love looking at other people and saying, wow, God, you're such an artist. Look at all of these different people that you've created and you've crafted every single one of us uniquely and beautifully. And then obviously looking at the mountains and the earth and the ocean and saying, wow, God, you're an artist there too. How amazingly beautiful is our world? Um, it's just cool when you think about it. But anyway, I have felt God shifting my life in so many different ways. And to be honest, one of the big ways is around intimacy. Intimacy is so interesting because our natural craving for intimacy, like that's divine. That is beautiful and it's God-given because our, our desire for intimacy can be fully and completely fulfilled by Jesus. Like our desire for intimacy is fully made perfect in relationship with the author of life himself. Yeah. And yet, because we don't seek him, we don't surrender to him, we don't fully experience the goodness of God, we seek intimacy in other ways. We just, we literally claw at it in other areas of our lives. And I felt that so much with myself, is that then I was seeking intimacy from guys and from physical things and you know through hookup culture and all of these things that that is not 
what God is calling me to. He's calling me to relationship with him first and foremost. I need to love God more than I love the attention of men. Like that is what I need. And it's such a word because, wow, I mean, easier said than done. And in the culture that we live in, we have idolized marriage. We've idolized sex. We've idolized relationships and dating. Man, those are such idols. And the truth is we don't need any of them to experience fulfillment. You do not need a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife, a hookup buddy to feel fulfillment and intimacy. You need a relationship with God because that is the purest form of intimacy. And it's also the deepest form of intimacy. Our souls crave intimacy. And so when we seek all of these other places, we're just not going to be fulfilled. Like it's never going to be enough. You know, and to put yeah. that weight on a significant other or even a friendship, you know, that is going to create an unhealthy power dynamic. And yeah, I experienced some sure. of that, of wanting another person to fulfill the deepest need in me. Yeah. And no one is capable of that. We're all imperfect. And, you know, we're all going to mess up. Everyone is going to let you down at some point, even the best friend, even a spouse, even your parents, just because we're not perfect. And so for me, I just found myself immersed in hookup culture in college and just seeking these like momentary pleasures, these momentary, the momentary intimate moments. And it's funny because at a young age, I had I was super on board with the idea of, you know, quote unquote saving myself for marriage. Mm. Um from a young age, I didn't really have a problem with it. I saw it as, you know, that makes sense, I guess. I don't really think about the yeah. why. I haven't read the verses, but sure, someone, you know, they told me people not to, to. They told so. me not to and I'm kind of fine with that. It's not a big deal. Because there's all these other things that you can do that, you know, aren't intercourse. So great. (laughs) Um, And I wish someone had told me at Mm. a young age that sex is good and beautiful Mm. and holy in the right context. Because context is everything. I mean, context is everything when you read the Bible. We need to understand the context. We need to understand you know, the, I mean, personally, I can't read Greek or Aramaic or Hebrew, but I'm thankful for the people who can and can give us that context. Um, But context is everything. And so in the same way that fire is, is good and beautiful in the right context, say, you know, a bonfire or in a kitchen fire or, or really anywhere where fire is good and beautiful, where you don't have electricity, but if you take it out of its proper context, it can often do a lot more harm than good. Mm. And for me, that was often my experience with sexual intimacy is that in the right context, in the context of, of a biblical marriage, of a covenant relationship, and an important question to ask is, what is the purpose of sex? You know, when, yeah. if we want to understand something... Well, we need to ask the purpose question. And so in the same way, I 
I had this amazing video. It's it's on YouTube by Torre Roberts, and it's called Sexual Wholeness. Highly recommend. I mean, it's just incredible. Because that was a new idea to me. This idea that God actually desires sexual integrity for his people. And wow. I think for me, the way that I had thought about it growing up is like, okay, you know, I won't, I won't do the thing that we're not supposed to do, but everything else is up for grabs. And I have no idea why we're supposed to not do that thing, but I'll just agree to it, whatever. <laughs> and That's then real. Kinda, you know? I mean... If it's not really defined for you, it's so easy to be like, well, did God really say, I mean, this literal, it's the same thing that the enemy used in the garden in the beginning, but just asking mm-hmm. us that question, like, did God really say this is not honoring? Uh, did God really say this? Yeah. And well, he this, didn't really mean it. <laughs> he didn't really mean it. That's not true. Yeah. Or, or it doesn't apply to me because in my experience, yeah. it's been different. And I think that's where it gets tricky because truly th- throughout college, I didn't experience conviction around it. And to be honest, because I wasn't taking that last step over the line, I didn't think anything I was doing was wrong or was sinful or that God wouldn't approve of it because mm-hmm. I had just reduced sex to this physical definition and that is not what that's not what God says. God says it's spiritual. The purpose of sex is to unite two souls forever before me in covenant relationship. That's the purpose of sex. Yeah. It's and it's beautiful. Wow, like to unite two souls. They become one flesh. Like that is actually yeah. a really beautiful vision. And it brings into question, well, how have I been acting, you know, based on my own actions, what do I believe the purpose of sex is? And I think for me, and and when I say sex, I say it in the broadest sense. And I think that's another issue that I dealt with is having such a narrow physical definition of sex. When I say sex now, I just mean any sort of physical intimacy. Because the truth is, I mean, at a scientific level, the same hormones are activated, you know, the same chemical reactions and the same things are going on in your brain, whether you're having, quote unquote, sex, you know, sexual intercourse or doing other stuff, you know, it, it feels the same in your body. It, it really is on a spiritual level, the same, you know, and the goal at least for me and I think for many others, is to feel intimacy, to feel seen, to feel known, to feel, feel connected, to feel loved. Feel loved. Yeah. Absolutely, to feel desired, to feel chosen, um, you know, and also to feel good, <laughs> you know, yeah. to put it quite plainly, to feel good. All of those things feel good. But I think it's an important question to ask yourself, why am I seeking these things in this way? Are there other healthier or more God-honoring ways to seek those same things? You know, because it's our desire for intimacy is good, but it can become twisted and, you know, it can become based in other people's approval of us rather than based in our inherent worth. And I love how when you said, like, God... God wants good for us. And I liked when you said, you asked the question, 
okay, do I believe God is good? And then do I believe he has my best interest at heart? And then do I really want to hear what God has to say about this? And it's like, you grew up in the church and you knew that, okay, that's not good. But then it's like, okay, well, am I just being good by doing all these things? That is not that bad thing. But then something shifted when, when you, you actually were able to, to understand like God's love for you and his love for sex and it's, it's beautiful, um, purpose and, yeah, I think it just takes us back to like, what is the purpose and why does God, why does God desire this for me out of love? You know, I honestly had to shift my view of God from a huge killjoy. You know, God doesn't want me to have fun. Yeah. God doesn't want me to be intimate with my boyfriend. God doesn't, God doesn't want all these good things for me. What the heck, God? <laughs> like, yeah. that's not cool. I want these good things and I've experienced them and they're pretty good when I experience them, you know? And then saying, oh, wait, God actually wants me to have life to the fullest. Like, mm-hmm. He wants me to experience things in the best, most full capacity. So if he is saying, you know, this is not what I have for you, that means he actually has something better. Mm. Whoa. Like I, I just remember having that realization at a certain point in college of, wait, God, what you have for me is better than this. Like I actually thought this was as good as it got, but no, it's actually better. And, and realizing also the pride that came in, of thinking I knew better than God, because that's really what it comes down to with all kinds of sin, you know? Yeah. I know, God, that you said this, or or maybe I don't really think you said it, but I kind of know you said it, but I'm just going to choose my way, because in my own experience, you know, as a 20-year-old college student in modern-day America, I clearly know everything, and I clearly know the purpose of all of these things, because oh, wait, (laughs) the person who created all of these things actually gets to determine the purpose of these things. So I actually don't have that privilege since I am not the creator of of sex or life or anything, (laughs) you know? And so just realizing and being convicted of the pride that told me I get to decide these things. And the truth is, God gave us free will. We absolutely have the power to make decisions, and he gave us brains to think critically. And I'm so grateful for that. Like, amen to having complex brains that can think critically and can ask questions. God could have given us brains that couldn't have doubts. He could have given us brains that didn't ask questions. He could have made us like robots, but he didn't. Yeah. He made us free will uh free-thinking human beings, and I'm grateful for that because We actually have agency. We're empowered to choose. But what that does mean is that I can choose whatever I want. However, I don't also get to choose the consequences of my choices, if that makes sense. And so absolutely, can I choose to do whatever I want? Yeah, definitely. But that doesn't mean that I get to then handpick the consequences of my actions, good or bad. And so... It was just funny because about two years ago, so this is not that long ago, I had the privilege of taking this amazing trip to Israel, and and it was with a Christian group, and I had this one great group leader, and we were sitting by the Sea of Galilee one night, and 
she just got real with me. You know, she told me her testimony and she told me her own struggles around sex and around intimacy and around, you know, choosing to honor God in that area of her life. And I remember she said, you know, she went from, you know, hooking up and sleeping around to now she's at a point where she says, I'm only going to kiss before my wedding day. And I remember sitting by the Sea of Galilee and saying, this woman's crazy. That (laughs) is insane. I would never. Wow. Good for her that she has to do that in order, you know, to be quote unquote holy. But I would never. That's insane. And here I am two years later, and that's where I'm at. I say, yeah, leave it at kissing. And you know what's so beautiful is that in my current relationship, it has made all the difference because to be totally honest, we didn't start that way in our relationship. We started out and we were more physically intimate than that. And I just remember a month into dating, and there was just a moment where the Holy Spirit just moved and said, this is not what I have for you. What I have is better. Believe me. Believe me. It's better. And I just wept. I mean, I wept like a baby. <laughs> and what's, what's interesting about that, though, is that it wasn't an instant change after that moment for me. It was a journey over the next year and a half of feeling that conviction, but not really wanting to hear it, but hearing it, but not really wanting to act on it. really say? Totally. I mean, the lies flooded into my head, which is, well, I know, God, you said that, but it doesn't really apply to me, and what I'm doing right now is working. So, I'm good. Thanks, but no thanks. The lies came in of, what guy would want to be with me? if he couldn't do all this stuff that guys want to do and that I want to do, you know? I was like, no guy in his right mind, you know, outside of high schoolers would would date someone where the farthest they could go was a kiss. That just doesn't make sense. And, you know, oh, I've already gone too far and I can't go back. I can't go back in this relationship. I'm just, you know, I'm already in so deep. God, what do you even want from me? Like, it would take so much effort and work to go back from here. And what's amazing is God's not calling us to go back. He's calling us to step forward. He's calling us to step out in faith, to step forward into what he has for us rather than just staying stuck because I really was stuck. And what's great is that God is so patient. He's just so patient. He's so kind. And he walked with me for, I mean, I'm still in the journey now. Let's be clear here. It's not the case that one day you, you just never have a lustful thought and you never, no, all of us are imperfect. That's why Today, I still need God, but I have seen by the Holy Spirit such a transformation in my heart. And what's crazy too is that God doesn't want behavioral modification. Amen. He wants our heart posture to transform. He wants our heart posture to shift entirely. And so that was what I struggled with too is that... I was like, okay, God, you want me to do things a little differently. Okay, fine. Let me try. 
I was failing, I was trying, I was failing. Even in my current relationship now, at the beginning, we were trying and we were failing. We are like, what is going on here? Why is this so stinking hard? God, you don't ask us to do anything that's impossible, which is true. But he does ask us to do things which are impossible on our own so Amen. that we will rely on him, so that yeah. we will lean on him, so that we will depend on him. And that was just a major change in my relationship now is when we said oh wait this isn't about creating rules not it's not even about boundaries so much as it's about wanting our entire hearts to change and transform to look more like Jesus's heart Once we shifted that, once we realized that, we just had this, I remember we had this giant revelation. We were sitting in my dorm room and it was like, oh my gosh. He just wants our hearts. He just wants our hearts. And the beauty of it is when your heart shifts, of course your actions shift. Yeah. Of course, your behavior shift, but it's not about manipulating and controlling and regulating every single little action mm, that you do to become holy. No, yeah. no, no, no. It's about God. I just want to surrender this. Jesus, I want what you want for me. Like literally the simplest prayer, not my will, but yours be done. And I mean it <laughs> because yeah. there were a lot of times where I said that, but in my heart of hearts, I did not mean that. And it was because I still wanted the sin. I still desired it. And I finally had to say, God, I don't want this thing. I want you more. God, Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't want physical pleasure. I want you. And I want the eternal joy that comes from knowing you. Amen. And that whole time he's like, but I'm right here. But I'm right here. Just turn to me. (laughs) And so I am just so thankful for the way that God's transformed my heart around it. Because it's just not about rules. It's not about regulations. And it's certainly not about shame. The God, I mean, the difference between shame and guilt, it needs to be clear, because guilt is, I did a bad thing, that thing I did was bad, I'm sorry for it, I don't want to do it again. Healthy feeling. Shame. Because I did that thing, I am bad. I am unworthy. I cannot change. Shame, I mean, it's interesting because psychology tells us that shame actually has no use like, it is a, wow. the least no helpful. Use. It has no use. It, it is the most unproductive feeling in the entire human psyche. Like, wow. That, I mean, that's straight from the devil right there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> because there is no humanly purpose, which means that God didn't create shame. That actually came from somewhere else. And yet, guilt, guilt can be good, you know? Guilt actually shows that we have an awareness of what is right and wrong. It's like the conviction. Absolutely. And what's just beautiful is that the the more you commit yourself to God, the closer you grow in your relationship, the more you let him in, the more you talk with him, the more you you just allow him to flood into every area of your life, the more conviction you're going to experience, you know? Because I said mm-hmm. before... I honestly didn't feel guilty around my 
decisions around my decisions around sex and intimacy. I felt no guilt for a very long time. And I've talked to a lot of people where it's like, well, if I don't feel guilty, then it's not sin. And it's like, wait a minute. Hmm. Mm. Is that true? Can I feel nothing and it still be sin? And I believe wholeheartedly the answer is yes, because I've experienced it. And whether or not we feel guilty or convicted, quote unquote, is actually a result of our closeness and our proximity to Christ in that area. Mm. So, of course, if I have not let God into that area of my life and I am just completely doing my own thing, you know, writing my own story, so to speak, and I haven't let God in, where would that conviction even be coming from if the spirit isn't even in that part of my life? And I think for me, also realizing that everything that he's calling me toward is leading me farther into his plan for me, which is is good and is exactly crafted according to my own needs and my unique gifts. So why would I want to walk down this other path that I've designed in my in my very minimal worldly knowledge? <laughs> you know, just because I don't I don't have that foresight, you know. God sees the bird's eye view of all things. And he just truly knows. And what's crazy too for me is that as I was, you know, just doing my own thing in terms of relationships and intimacy and just in the way that I used my body and interacted with the world, I didn't know that that was actually creating a blockage between me and God. And I just, I couldn't see it in the moment because I was just so comfortable with that barrier being up. I was so comfortable not letting God into that area of my life that I was just blind to it. And you can be walking with Christ for so many years. You could be walking with him for decades and decades and decades and be completely blind to areas of sin in your life. And that's the beauty of sanctification, which just means, sanctification means that every day that we walk by the Spirit, we become more like Christ. And is it a linear, you know, this is how you were, and then straight up the mountain you go to, you know, the day you die, you'll be just like Jesus. No, of course not. It is so much more complex, and there's hills, and there's valleys, and there's plateau moments, but uh, the more we are willing to listen to the quiet voice, and I also, I just love that God speaks in whispers, because he's all-powerful, so, you know, he could just scream out into the ether and terrify us (laughs) he could but he speaks in a whisper and a whisper is a voice that you use in intimate relationships because it requires someone to lean in and listen and and we have to listen so we actually have to quiet ourselves we have to humble ourselves to even be aware of his presence and i just love that because he's so powerful and he's so great and massive and beyond our understanding and yet he speaks in quiet whispers and that's just a beautiful kind of restraint of power um, that he would, he would be gentle with us, you know, that there, because there's no condemnation, there's no shame. There is just becoming more like the person he created you to be. You said there's no condemnation. It makes me think of Romans eight, where it says, and sometimes I have to repeat this to myself over and over again, that no matter my sin, 
no matter my mess, that there, because of Jesus' death on the cross for us, that there is therefore now no condemnation. It's just mm-hmm. incredible. Um, will you speak, Ashley, just some truth to the listener who may just be struggling to believe that God loves them and that His grace covers every bit of his or her past or their mess or their sin that Jesus conquered. He, he died on the cross for that. Mm, of course. I mean, man, you are so worthy. Yes, you, the person mm. who is listening right now, if you think it's not you, it's you. Just your mere existence on this earth is a miracle, one. But two, shows you how worthy you are that the God of the entire universe took the time to plan every little every little cell that makes up your body he took the time to craft your dna he took the time to count how many hairs would be on your head to gift you certain spiritual gifts and talents and personality he he designed it all if the god of the universe took the time to design you you are worthy period it doesn't matter what you accomplish by his world standards it doesn't matter if you're single or married or divorced or what it doesn't matter because you are worthy in his eyes and i would just encourage you if you haven't take the time today right now right after this podcast or even pause it and take this moment just close your eyes and just speak to God. You can speak to him the way that you would speak to any other person. I remember that being so freeing the moment I realized I could speak to God the way I speak to Laura Lee or, you know, my boyfriend or my dogs. You know, you can just speak however it comes out, even if it's just one word. So I encourage you, if you've never prayed before, pray, listen, just see what he wants to say. And that's that's it. He knows what's on your heart. He knows your deepest struggle. And he is waiting at the door. Just open it. Just open it. And and that's for any area of your heart that is hidden. Whether it's something around sex or something around any anything. He already knows. Just speak it out loud. So Ashley, at the end of every show, I ask my guest two fun questions. Are you ready? I'm so ready. So the first one is, what musical have you been loving recently? Uh, such a good one. Honestly, so many, but I think the one I always go back to is Aida. I just love mm, Aida. That's a good Aida one. is so good. Heather Headley, a queen, a uh, star. I love Heather Headley. Maybe she'll come on the podcast eventually. Oh my gosh, that would be that amazing. That would be a dream come true. She is a dream. She's a star. It was actually one of the first Broadway shows that I ever saw, and I was super duper young because it was a long time ago, but it, it really left a mark on me, and I remember seeing a black woman and a white man and just saying, wait, that looks like my mom and dad. Wow. I, you know, I never see interracial couples. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. So next question is what are you up to now and how can we keep up with you? Great question. Well, like many of you, 
I have been quarantining. I am quarantining. I'm planning on staying at home as long as we need to. Um, so I'm with the family. But I'm actually working on a music video right now with some friends, and we're actually producing a super fun song from Hamilton. And uh, it's called First Burn, which is a mashup of all these different Elizas singing the song Burn, which is an amazing and gorgeous song. So it should be coming out really soon if it's not already out yet uh, by the time you hear this. But you can also find me on Instagram at Ashley Lala, two A's after that last law. Lala. Ashley Lala. <laughs> Ashley Lala. My last name's Lalonde, get it, but I also sing, ha ha. <laughs> um, so that's where, you know, that's where I post my updates, that's where I post what's happening. I post some stuff about my faith, you know, about work, about life, all sorts of different things. So that's where you can find me. Um, you know, a lot of things in the industry are shut down right now, and so I'm leaning into some other areas, pressing and spiritually, pressing and relationally, um, just really involved with our church, Church of the City, New York, and yeah, just kind of waiting it's patiently, awesome. seeing what God has. Waiting. Yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> well, Ashley, thanks for coming on the show. I really loved having you, and I know our listeners did too. Hmm, thank you so much for having me, Loralee. It's always a pleasure chatting with you, and, you know, it's important to talk about the intimate parts of our lives. It's important, especially as women in the church, like, we need to talk about these things. And I so wish that someone had been honest with me. So I hope this blessed you in some way. I hope something stuck with you, and we're encouraging to you. But thank you so much, um, Loralee, for having me. This has been so fun. Wow, I am just blown away by how open and real Ashley was with us about her story and her walk with the Lord. I just want to say thank you, Ashley, for your vulnerability. I am encouraged by the reminder that God is so full of grace and that when we bring all of us to his feet into the word of God and seek him, he helps us understand what it means to pursue holiness. I pray that what you share today will encourage those who are listening to turn and to seek truth and to receive God's love for them. If this is the first time you're listening to the show, this is the part of the podcast where I open the word of God and bring it to your ears as you're running or cooking or sitting on your back porch, wherever this moment in time finds you. I want to share a passage of scripture with you because I believe that these are the most powerful words you could hear all day long and ones that have the ability to change your life. I cannot imagine sharing a podcast full of beautiful human words and stories and not sharing with you some truth from the best story ever, the word of God. So this part of the show is, as I like to call it, and in true musical theater fashion, the grand finale of each episode. If you've never read or studied God's word before, and this is really new to you, I am welcoming you into this time in the scriptures with me, with my arms wide open. And know that God is too. He delights in you and he loves you and loves every moment of meditation on his word. I believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God, that it is inspired by God, that everything in it is true and consistent and divinely written through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
It is a powerful, poetic, and perfectly written piece of provision given to us so that we may learn who God is and be forever changed by that knowledge. The goal is that the scripture we study helps us understand who God is and his love for us, his love for you. I hope that every little nugget of knowledge you take in from the word of God here on this podcast leads to acknowledging and worshiping God for who he is, and that that spurs you on toward obedience and godliness as you take what you learn and live in light of the truth. As it says in 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So I encourage you to lean in and listen as we open the Word of God. So today we are diving into the book of John chapter 1. This book is written by the Apostle John with the purpose that all who read it may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that knowing him would lead to new life in him. In John chapter 20 verse 31 he says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Today we are walking through John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So what does this tell us about God? Through these words, we learn that God the Father and Jesus, the Word himself, were together in the very beginning. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So the triune God, meaning the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, were the beginning of the story of creation. A story that begins and ends in victory. In the very last book of the Bible, Revelation, chapter 22, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He started it, and he will finish it. We also learn that God created everything. Verse 3 says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. If you didn't know it before you tuned into this podcast today, God is God of all creation. I've just recently started a Bible study on the book of Genesis called God of Creation by an author by the name of Jen Wilkin. I'm only about a week into this deep dive into this study on the first book of the Bible, and we have spent every day breaking apart the words and the details of just chapter one, one book of the Bible out of 66 and every day as I read one verse from one chapter, it seems so small, but I learn something so big about God, something new about his character and his love. I share that with you because reading about creation has given me fresh eyes and a fresh and new understanding of God's love for us expressed through his creative work in the beginning of time. Y'all, our God is a creator. In the first chapter of Genesis, we read this epic description of God's artistic work in the beginning as he displayed his glory like an artist with a paintbrush along the canvas of the heavens and the earth. 
The first thing he created with his very breath, he spoke light into existence. When he said, let there be light, and there was light, he created it. He said it was good, and he intentionally separated it from the darkness. And then he created sky to separate the water in the air from the water below. He created the big bodies of water and called them seas and the dry ground and called it land. He created plants of all kinds and the very processes of growth and cultivation of vegetation and seed-bearing plants and fruit-bearing trees, everything from planting a seed to the soil to the roots and the branches. He created two great lights, the moon and the sun, to give light to the earth and to give us a way to separate the day from the night and to help us mark time and days and years. He made every single star so that they could give light and so that we would never be in complete darkness. He created the living creatures in the waters, the birds that fly in the air, and every living creature from the little chipmunk that scurries on the ground to the cows that give us milk, and the chickens, and the livestock, and the cheetahs, and giraffes. You guys, he did that in his innate creative goodness because he knew it would be good for us. And he did all of that before even laying the bristles of the brush to creating us. The pinnacle of creation. He chose to create us in his image and his likeness. He blessed us. He gave us the opportunity and the privilege of filling the earth. And he looked at man and said, it is very good. We are his creative design, his grand idea. He knew that it would be good and that's why he created us. And he told us to create more and to grow in number and fill the earth. He is the creator who gave us a calling to create. We get to create with God in this life. He could have withheld creating to himself, but he wanted to share the gift with us. So he's given us an opportunity to participate with him in creating and building with him. On this podcast, I'm interviewing people who by trade are artists and creatives. They've been given specific giftings creatively. Some use their voices and their arms and legs to express and storytell. Some are behind the scenes using their hands, some their minds. Some use cameras and instruments or, or paintbrushes. What a beautiful thing creativity and artistry is. But creating isn't limited to artists. We are all creators. And the beauty of creating with God is that it is worship when we create with a heart to glorify Him. Acknowledging God as creator enables us to praise God, to exalt God, and to lift Him higher as we take in and meditate on how big and mighty and loving He is, to create life and earth with such beauty and complexity and depth, and to give us the opportunity to share in creating with Him. In this passage, we also learn that Jesus Himself is the true source of life and light. Verse 4 says, In Him was life, and that life was the light to all mankind. From the beginning, Jesus was the source of light. In episode 2, we talked about the verse, John 8, verse 12, where Jesus is teaching the people about himself, and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus also says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When we know this and believe this about Jesus, we receive the source of light and life, Jesus himself. We also learn in this passage that the light is victorious over darkness. 
Verse 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That has been unchanging since the beginning. The darkness has not overcome the light of Christ. He was victorious over darkness before sin entered the world and was victorious over sin when he came to earth as the Messiah and brought the light to the world. Jesus came and rescued us through his death and resurrection so we could have a personal relationship with him and spend eternity with him forever. What a loving God, a creative God, a God whose story was good and perfect from the beginning. It was established for us to know him and to be with him forever. What I love about the Bible is that I can read it and absorb it and dig into it and even read things again and again and still continue to get to know God more. It's a lifelong journey. The good thing is we don't just read words on a page. As it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It is living and breathing, you guys. When you are in Christ, you have a personal relationship with him and you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Therefore, you have the ability to communicate with God through prayer and the Spirit himself will guide you into all truth. For John chapter 14, verse 13 says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And with the knowledge of the truth, with this understanding of what the word of God says about God as our creator, knowing his goodness, his love, his mercy, his complexity, his power, it leads us to like Isaiah said in the last episode, to having a heart that desires what he desires. Knowing God enables us to trust God and to trust in the ways in which he calls us to live. Like in any relationship, getting to know a person and understanding more about them is the first step in trusting them. You let them into your life and you begin to get to know them. You let them love you and therefore your trust grows. Here's an analogy that might help you understand this. Take someone in your life who's been a large part of raising you. I'm gonna take my mom. She was my support system through my childhood as she gave me shelter, food, clothes, paid for my dance lessons and my school supplies. She drove me around the sun four times and back to go to my friend's house or to a dance or theater competition in a different city every other weekend. She's read me books and helped me learn things for the first time. She taught me about God and friendships and life. She's my shoulder to cry on during disappointment and my safe place to talk about hard things. She was also the first to believe in me and to cheer me on to victory. She demonstrated her love for me by sacrificing her time and her money and her energy because she loved me. But along with that demonstration of love came discipline. Because she loved me, she had boundary lines and rules in our household that were created to keep me safe and protected and to set me up for success in life. Everything from childproofing electrical outlets to giving me a curfew as a teenager because she knows that there are things she knows and understands that I do not. What she gave and withheld, almost always, she's not God, so this isn't a perfect analogy, but for the most part, it came from a place of wanting the best for me, out of a deep love for me. In knowing her, I grew to trust her as I obeyed her and learned that she wanted only good for me. God is much like our mom or dad who loves us 
and directs us and disciplines us. Except His love is perfect, unconditional, and not dependent on us getting it all right. We don't have to pretend to be good Christians. We get to continually admit and confess that we are not good and trust that He is and that His love and grace covers all our mess and mistakes. As we run towards Him, fixing our eyes on Him and how He calls us to live. For Jesus says that the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks worship Him in spirit and in truth, John 4, 23. You guys, the Word of God is truth, and with His help, we can become imitators of God. As always, I want to close this time in prayer. I'm going to leave you with a passage of scripture from the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 8 through 20. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Test and prove what pleases the Lord. Have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that is illuminated becomes a light itself. So it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to reckless indiscretion. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the listener on the other side of this podcast. I pray that they experience how much you love them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I just say thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I want you to know that I believe in you. I believe you have the ability to bring light to the world and that you were created by God for good work. I hope that you love God more because of listening to this show today and that you are encouraged to go and live in the light of Christ. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Leave a five-star rating and a short review. This helps us reach the ears of more listeners. Every Monday morning, you will see a new conversation appear, and you won't want to miss the guests I'm having on the show in the coming weeks. You guys, it's going to be awesome. Want to hear more from me each week? Subscribe to my weekly newsletter in the show description, and I'll send you an email each week with the show notes, with the links from the show, the scripture we studied together, and a few surprises and updates, as always, from me, Laura Lee. Friends, I am so excited when I hear from you. If you are loving the show or you have any questions, praise reports, suggestions of guests you'd love to meet on the show, anything at all, you can reach out by responding to your newsletter to my email, podcast at lovelauralee.com. A big thanks to Mike Stapleton and Helen Kemeny for the original music heard on the podcast. And also thank you to Colleen Bruton for editing the show. Friend, go in light and love, and I will see you next week.